Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. I, uh, too, have been uh, early in the morning, 6 o'clock. Here's what I found out about prayer. If you don't have a specific time, if you don't have a the discipline of prayer if you don't have a time it's going to be hard for you to do it hard to get there and what I have found in my own life is I have to do it early in the morning for the cares of the day <laughs> grab a hold of me and I've been joining and and through technology I've just been going all over different places and joining different churches at six o'clock in the morning so I join with you this morning in your 21 days and salute the pastor for this and what I hope and I pray is this is that this is just not 21 days that this becomes a pattern of life and the discipline of life that you will enjoy communion and fellowship with the Lord turn with me in your Bibles please just remain standing I want to read to you a very beautiful story that I love to talk about when we talk about prayer in Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 great to hear the pages rumble and rattle I know the younger generation and you probably got your iPhone and you're looking at it and that's okay too it is still strong it's still the word of God regardless of how it comes but I just like to I just like people to see this there's something about just seeing God's word and so that's the reason that this doesn't mean I'm more anointed than anybody else I used to see, you know, the old days, these guys come in with these great big Bibles, you know, and I thought, that's a sign, that's a real man of God. What I understand now is they're big so you can read it. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I like that, she keeps bothering me. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? bow your heads. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for the privilege of being together. Thank you for this house, its leadership. Thank you for your word. These next few moments, let it be strong. Let it accomplish the purpose for which it is spoken, and we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Now, before you sit down, I know some of you, see, it's an administrative bishop gift. I have eyes in the back of my head, and some of you have not smiled since you walked in that door. So turn to the person next to you and smile and look at him and say, you look about as good as I think you're ever going to look on a cold day.
and you may be seated. And you can explain what you meant to your companion on the way home. No. All of us who are seasoned in the room, who are very mature in the room, meaning we're a little older than everybody. We're not old, we're seasoned, we're mature. We remember exactly where we were with 9-11. We know exactly what was going on. I know I was on my way to a meeting, uh, uh, a meeting I didn't want to go to. I didn't want 9-11 to happen, but anyway, we know where we were. And we remember the after effects of 9-11. There was, uh, the world changed. The world is different today as a result of what happened. You go through an airport, it, it, it just totally changed. We were in an airport some time ago and was getting ready to give my boarding pass and they said, no, just step up to the line right there. And I stepped up to the tape and my picture came up on the screen. I said, Where, to myself, I said, where'd you get that? I don't remember you taking that. Yesterday, we were leaving an airport. My wife and I, we've been in Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the testimony here that was given this morning. And um, we, we were there the first time I'd been through that, the March for Life. Probably 20,000 people, believers joined. It was snowing. It was freezing cold. It was a miserable day in that aspect, but a wonderful day in our spirits to join with believers from all over the nation as we celebrated life and we celebrated what God is doing in our nation. But yesterday, coming through the airport, my wife hates going through security. She just dreads it. So I put my stuff in, goes right through, I go through the the system, the detector, and, and the guard there just says, come right on through. But now my wife, you know, all kind of things to process. How big can the makeup be? How much, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm going, oh, thank you, Lord. I don't have to deal with all that. Anyway, so yesterday, come through, and sure enough, she gets pulled to the side. Well, I go on through and kind of in myself, but not where she can see me. I'm kind of laughing. Nah, 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 nah. Got you again. But yesterday was different. I look over, and she's sitting down in a chair. She has her boot off, and they are kind of like taking a picture, a print of her right foot. I'm going, now that's weird. She comes through, and I said, what was that? She said, the government wanted my right footprint. Um, Have we come to that? Are we in that? See, that is what is known now because of 9-11 as the new normal. This is life. We did not know that prior to 9-11. It was just normal. But now the phrase is new normal. Now, the younger generation, they don't have to deal with the new normal because it's always been normal. But to those of us who are seasoned and mature, it's the new normal. And when we hear that phrase, we know something's different. As as a result of that, now when we hear of a terrorist attack, or something going on in the world as bad as it is, our emotions are kind of jaded. It's kind of like, well, there we go again. It's just kind of normal. It's happened before. And the problem is, men and women, we have become that kind of, we've, we're developing that kind of attitude in our relationship with the Lord. 
Many times we just say it's normal now because of the culture. Things have shifted so much that we come in and we accept our situations. We accept our issues. We accept our difficulties. And what we say is, well, God just doesn't really move anymore. God really doesn't heal bodies anymore. He really doesn't change circumstances anymore. And if we're not careful, we move into that acceptance of the way it is now. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus gave his people an illustration of the need to pray, of constant prayer, of perseverance prayer. Because he gave us an example of a woman who refused to accept her circumstances. She refused to accept what the culture had said was normal to her. And he gave us this example to remind us of our constant need to always pray. Many times I'll I'll call my mom and my dad when he was living and we begin to talk about things and what was going on. And, and my mom would always say these words, well, all we can do is pray. You know, she meant well, but the tone of her voice, well, we tried it all. We've done everything else. So, well, we just resort to prayer. But let me tell you, men and women, prayer is not something that we have to resort to. Prayer is the place of our power. Prayer is the place of our authority. Prayer is the place where God changes circumstances. It's where we draw our life. And there's never a time, you know, she talked about babies being born. You know, when a baby is born, they cut that umbilical cord. And for nine months, that umbilical cord has been the nourishment of that that child as it was growing in the womb. But when it gets to that nine months, that umbilical cord is cut. And that child, everything that child needs for the rest of its life outside of food and nutrients and those kind of things is over. That mother will not give that to that child anymore. But there is never a time in our relationship with the Lord that we can cut the cord of prayer with him. Because it is that source, it is that conduit where we draw our life And we draw our fellowship with him. Now, I want to do something right now. I know there is a spirit that the enemy tries to bring when we talk about prayer. Already in this session, this morning, in this second session, the enemy's beginning to condemn you for your lack of your prayer life. And say, he's talking to you because you don't ever pray and causing you to feel condemned. I want you to know this. The very fact that the enemy would even talk to you like that should let you know the power that is available to you in prayer. The enemy is not afraid how many meetings I go to, how many planning sessions I go to. He he could care less about that. But the one place the enemy always fights me is in my prayer life. Because he knows that when I get on my knees and pray and I begin to talk to God and I begin to take God his word, he knows that he is defeated by the power of a praying man and a praying woman. And here's what we need to understand. To the believer, normal is not defined by culture. Normal is not defined by the circumstances that are going on in the world. To the believer... 
And to us that are in this room this morning and believers around the world, normal is defined by the Word of God. It is defined by the power of the blood of Jesus. It is defined by the energizing power of the Holy Spirit. And prayer is the communication to God that brings about change in the world. But here's what happens when we don't pray. When we don't pray, what we're really saying to God is this. I don't need you. I can handle this without you. And when difficulty comes, here's what we do. If God has blessed us with a lot of money, we try to buy our way out. If he's blessed us with charisma, and you've seen people, they walk in the room, and the room just lights up. Or, or you just think, I'll just try to talk my way out of this situation. And you just try to swoon your way through. Or if you've got an education, you'll try to figure it out. Listen, those are carnal weapons, men and women, that we cannot carry to a spiritual battle. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of every stronghold, the pulling down of, of every situation. And I want you to understand the power of your words. I've ran across something this, this week I want to read to you. Researchers say this, that people open their mouths 700 times a day to talk. Don't look at anybody. Don't even nudge anybody. Just listen. 18,000 words a day are spoken out of those 700 times. If you were to put that in printed pages, it would be 54 printed pages. And over the course of one year, that would fill 66 books, 800 pages each. That's how much we talk. And what did the Bible tell us? That when we talk that life and death is in the power of our tongue. When we speak, when we talk, understand there is power to bless. There is power to curse. There is power to bring change in the earth. And there is also power to bring destruction in the earth. But when we walk into our place of prayer, because of the covenant, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, there is power when we pray. Amen. But here's what we need to understand. What is the position of prayer? Just a couple of things I want to give you. When you go to your place of prayer, What's, what's, the, what's the position that we are to pray? Some people come and we have, have what we call, they, they kneel down. And we used to come in the little country church that I grew up in, people would kneel at the altar. Our church believed in prayer so much that they would go outside and up on the hill, they had a, what they call a rock altar where the men would come and they would pray at different times. I, I'll never forget that. Some people, they would just lay prostrate on the ground. And, and all those things are good. But understand, those are mere outward expressions of prayer. They're okay. Whatever you feel comfortable with in your prayer, those things are okay. But all of those things, men and women, is not what God is really looking for. 
It's not the position to come in that brings change in the earth. Because you can do all of those things. But if your heart is not in alignment with God, you're absolutely wasting your time. I've seen people run. I've seen them jump. I've seen them spin like a top. But until our hearts come in alignment with God's word and the purposes of his word, nothing is going to happen. So what is the key position? It's really an inward position and a heart of humility that God is looking for. Now, when you say humility, what what is that? Let me ask you, what, what is humility even in the culture? When you ask somebody to be humble, does it mean they're just weak? That they're just anemic? Not at all. A humble person can be a person of strength. And a humble person can be a person of power. But if you look at our culture, it is anything but humble. But understand, we will never get anything from God until we humble our hearts and come before him with a humble and a contrite heart. Let me give you an example of the culture. And it's just one of my pet peeves. Facebook. Yeah, you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about. Now look, to the, to the young men and women here, I did not just land from Mars this morning. I get it. I know it's a great tool of communication. We talk to one another. But just scroll Facebook, and it'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. You see on Facebook, somebody says, look where I'm at on vacation. Look at me at Disney World. Look who I'm eating a hamburger with. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares where you're on vacation? Have a good time. Eat your hamburger and go back to work. See, here's the thing. It's all about us. It's all about me. Look what I'm doing. It's a me culture. It's a selfish culture. And we build ourselves up. And the problem is we come into God's house like this and we think all of this is about us. If Pastor Jeff doesn't speak the way I think he should speak, I'm going to go somewhere else. If the praise team doesn't exactly do it the way I like it, I'm going to do something else or I'm going to complain about it. Newsflash, it's not about you. It is not about me. It is about God. It is about his kingdom. It is for his glory. It is for his honor. And when we come to him the way we come to him is we humble ourselves before him. What do you think you can bring to God that he's impressed with? You think you can impress him with your money? He owns the cattle that are on a thousand hills. You think you can impress him with your diplomas and your degrees? He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the end from its very beginning. There is nothing you can impress him with except when you come to him and say, Lord, I I've got what I got because you gave it to me. I had breath this morning to get up because you put the air there. I had strength to get up because you gave my bones and my muscles strength. And when we humble ourselves before him and we say, God, there is no God beside you, no other God likened unto you, I owe my life to you and I humble myself before you. I need you today. 
When we do that, I'm telling you, it's like a sweet-smelling aroma. It is like a perfume that goes up. You can't keep God from coming to you when you come to him with a humble heart. And when you do that, he'll hear your prayer every time. So all the positions absolutely mean nothing till your heart comes into alignment. There's a beautiful passage of Scripture that I love. In 1 Samuel's Hannah, she prayed. But you know what? She wasn't screaming. She wasn't yelling where everybody could hear her. And that's okay. I've done it all. I, I, I've, usually when I pray, I walk. Hannah's just there. And, and Eli thought she was even drunk. The words were not even coming out. She was just, just moving her lips. Nothing was coming out. But what happened? She was praying for a son. Her womb, the Bible said, God had closed her womb. He had a purpose for doing that. But this was the moment in her intercession where she prayed, nothing was coming out, but her heart came into alignment with the purpose of God. She said, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him to you all the days of your life. That is what God wanted. He wanted a, a prophet in the land, Samuel, who would be such a key in Israel's history. And when her heart came into alignment, the timing was exactly right. God opened her womb and gave her a child. Men and women, when we humble ourselves before him, it brings our heart into alignment with the purposes of God because in the end it all belongs to him and we serve his purpose for his honor and for his glory. Come on, put your hands together. The second point. What about the power of prayer? Where, do, where does the power come from? Where does the authority come from? It's based on the covenant the covenant that Jesus made with God on our behalf. Now, in our culture, we know very little about covenants. What we know about are contracts. I hate buying cars. I despise it. Because I know I don't care what kind of deal I got. I drive off the lot going... I should have got him down another $500. I should have stood my ground. See, what that is is a contract. I know he's got to make money, but I got to pay money. So a contract, you know, just it's seeing what I can get out of this. And he's seeing what he can get out of it. That's what a covenant is. And a contract is. But a covenant's not like that. A covenant, when two people, it's an agreement between two people who love and trust one another very much. It's like a marriage covenant. And there, if you ever hear the word prenuptial, that's code for not going to make it. <laughs> not entering into a marriage covenant, it's a contract. It's going to be disaster down here pretty soon. You just know that. No, a covenant is an unbreakable relationship between two people who love and trust one another very much. And it always involves three things. Number one, a sharing of possessions. 
What they say is whatever I own, you own. A sharing of protection. You get in a fight, I'm going to be there with you. Now listen, I can say what I want to about my kids. But you better keep your mouth shut. Even if they're wrong, you keep your mouth shut. I'll deal with it, not you. That's a covenant. I'm going to protect my kids. And then there's a sharing of personhood. And usually to symbolize that, they would make a cut in the palms or make a cut in the wrist, and then they would clasp those two things together, symbolizing those two had become one. Here's what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago for you and I. He entered into a blood covenant with God the Father on our behalf. What kind of blood was it? Was it human blood? Yes, it was human blood. Because the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and men. It is the man, Christ Jesus. Was it human blood? Yes, it was human blood. Because the Bible says it was in Christ Jesus. Was it divine blood? Yes, it was divine blood. Because the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 that God purchased the church with his own blood. And in doing that, men and women, Jesus destroyed every principality. Get this this morning. Every principality, every power, and made a show of the enemy openly. Now, I know we live in a different day. We live in a different culture. We are facing things in the culture that we have never faced before. What the enemy is trying to do is establish a new normal in the culture. And he's pushing hard for us to accept things in Christianity that he has said no to in his word and trying to establish that new normal. But hear me. There is nothing we are facing in the culture that God through Jesus Christ did not destroy. He destroyed every principality, every power, made a show of the enemy openly. And when we stand up as believers with the word of God, it has already been destroyed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we plead the blood, we have authority knowing That God has already conquered it. Here's the second part, and I'm hurrying. The second part of the covenant is a word covenant. Here's what the Bible said. You have magnified your word above all your name. He watches over this book. He's married to his word. Here's what he said. Heaven and earth would pass away, but your words will never pass away. And when you go to war in prayer with the Word of God, something happens. You say, well, I can't pray long. I've been there, done that. Oh, I can't pray 30 minutes. Been there, done that. Oh, I can't pray an hour. Been there, done that. You know what I did early in my prayer life? I just started writing down some scriptures. Put them in my Bible. And when I pray, I walk. And so what I would do, I would just write them down and I would walk. I'd walk and memorize 
Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call on me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things. Lord, you said that. Pastor Jeff didn't say that. Lord, you said the church of God didn't say that. Lord, you said that. And I'd walk and I'd go, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it would be done. I take God as word. No weapon formed against me is ever going to prosper. Lord, I bring you your word. Whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and doubt not in his heart to him, it would be done. Lord, you said that. That is your word that you keep to a thousand generations. You said you could not break your word. I am your child. I am your ambassador. I'm not speaking for me. Lord, I am speaking for you. Every principality has been broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. I speak with authority. I speak with power. You will come down. The mountain will come down. I'm telling you, there is power in prayer. He's given you the privilege to change nations. Change nations. So in this passage of Scripture, here's what this little widow woman did. She had a problem. She had an issue that nobody was fixing. But she knew the judge could fix it. She knew it. So what she did, and this is how I play it out in my mind. He's coming to work. He's all dressed up, looking real nice. Got his little case got his little uh, judge stuff on and here she is hey I got a problem you can fix it somebody wronged me but I know all you got to do is speak the word and it can be fixed will you fix it he just blows her off goes on in five o'clock time to go home here she is hey I was here this morning I'm still here this afternoon I know you got the power you got the authority to fix this what's wrong with you I'm right, you're wrong, fix it. Day after day after day, nothing happened. Finally, don't you know that judge, after a while, he's going, oh, there she is again. Here we go. And the word said, hey, this woman bothers me. And here's his attitude toward her. He didn't care about her. That's what the Word said. He didn't care about her, and he did not care about her God. But he said, she troubles me. She wearies me. I am tired of this woman wearing me out every day about her problem, so give her what she wants. And then he could walk in and never hear it again. And here's what Jesus said. Will not God avenge his own elect who come to him and cry out to him day and night? Though he bears long, I tell you, will he not answer them? Speedily will he will not come to them, but will he find such faith on the earth? Men and women, persevere in prayer. Persevere in prayer. You may not get the answer the first time, but I tell you, if you will keep coming to the throne, God hears and He answers prayer. And you know what? It's possible that it might not even be in your lifetime. Had a grandmother, grandfather raised eight children. 
Some of them away from the Lord, some of them serving Him. But I would hear my grandmother go, oh, would you please save so-and-so? Oh, Lord, I ask you today, touch them, save them. During their life, they didn't see it. But let me tell you what happens with prayers. What did the Bible tell us in Revelation chapter 8? That every prayer that you pray, an angel had those prayers and they were in a censer. Every prayer that's prayed, he hears it. It doesn't matter how loud it is or how weak it is. He's got every prayer that you ever prayed. And what did he say in Revelation chapter 8? He said those prayers one day are tipped out and they come back to the earth. And they come back to the earth with great power and authority. And situations change. And what's happened now? I've seen those people that they prayed for come to the Lord Jesus Christ and give their life to him. I'm telling you, God answers prayer. He answers prayer. Persevere in your prayer. God hears every word that you say. And one personal example. I'll quit. A number of years ago, we had a beautiful daughter. I don't know, something just happened. We grew up in church. She was a model citizen in church just just rebellion off the grid there were days that we didn't know where she was a granddaughter born to our home I didn't know where they were here I am a minister of the gospel people in that little town knew what was going on knew what happened and I tried my best to fix things with some of those carnal weapons I said, well, you know, I'm a fixer. That's that's what I do, type A personality. I'll say this and that'll fix it. Well, I said that and it got worse. Days I didn't know where they were, but here's what I did. Lord, you said that we were I was the head and not the tail. Lord, you said no weapon formed against me would ever prosper. Lord, you said that whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and doubt not in his heart to him it would be done. I bind the spirit of rebellion. You give me the authority to do that. I I, I cancel every assignment from hell. I annul every contract that the enemy has placed not only on our daughter, but he has placed against me. I'm your child. I'm your ambassador. I expect you. Honor your word today, Lord. Day after day after day. This morning, this morning, her and her husband will stand about a thousand member campus church and she will take the microphone and she will begin to prophetically speak over that congregation. She will begin to pray over that congregation. She calls us She calls us with dreams. She said, I had a dream last night. This is what the Lord is saying. This is what the Lord is doing. The grandchild that I didn't know where she was this morning, she'll be at the front of her church. She'll be standing. She'll be lifting up her hands in praise and honor and glory to God. I'm not telling you that story so you just think I'm some big spiritual hot shot. I didn't do anything but take God, His Word. His Word is true. His Word is alive. And this morning, this morning, I give you that testimony. 
because he gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. I'm telling you, he is who he says he is. Don't give up praying. God answers prayer. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.